welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So joining me, and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Lady Leadership Show. I'm super excited to have on the show today Shannon Gilliland. She's the founder of Pronto, which are the world's first self-sterilizing baby bottles. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to be here. And we actually met through uh, One Roof, which is a women's uh, digital virtual community for business owners and entrepreneurs. So, yeah, we were on yes, a coffee right. morning they had one day. Yes, that's right. Yeah, definitely. I remember the morning. <laughs> yeah. And I was just really impressed with sort of, well, I was impressed with how you took charge of our group actually and um, organised us and so I was really happy about that. But then I was impressed <laughs> with obviously your business and your background and what you've mm-hmm. achieved. So, oh, Thank you. Now, <laughs> yeah, so babe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, just tell me, tell me about Pronto. Mm-hmm. I'd really, I just want to know probably first, and I'm sure the listeners do, how you actually came up with the idea. Mm, sure. So the concept actually came about like um, most innovations is a, a general pain point that I experienced myself. Yep. I had my daughter about or just over four years ago and went through the bottle feeding process like, 85% of parents do and um, was just sort of shocked at the level of the level of stuff I had to carry with me, the process, the very time-consuming process of then having to wash and sterilise all these bottles. And um, what I wound up kept doing is I kept actually running out of bottles while I was out. And so I travelled a lot with my daughter to start off with. And I actually went about trying to solve that problem. So my background initially is actually in entrepreneurship and innovation. I actually studied it at university and I used the skills that I had from that. And I actually went out and I interviewed and I surveyed other parents and just said, you know, what experience are you having? How are you traveling with your baby? And the key pain points that came from that was the fact that parents were spending, you know, an hour a day washing, sterilizing, prepping all of these bottles And in the process of having to carry all of those pre-filled bottles with them meant that it was cumbersome, it was heavy, they were carrying more bags with them than was actually necessary. And then from that point, it was just a matter of uh, working out a way I could solve that. And the ultimate sort of idea that came to me was, you know, was it possible for a parent to travel with an empty bottle? And if it was possible, what sort of technology was out there and available now or was there something that I would need to create to be able to develop that product? And that's that's sort of how it all started. Hmm. Yeah, look, I, I remember, um, so I've got a 13 and 10-year-old, so I'm a, I'm a little bit further away from that. But I, when, I, when I was sort of preparing for this interview, I was remembering, oh, gosh, we had this drawer with all these bottles in it and you'd be trying to find, you'd end up with some different ones, like when you first yeah. had your first, maybe you'd end up with all the same bottles that went in the nice bottle thing and then, yeah. you know, someone else would give you some and then you'd end up with ones that didn't connect or didn't fit and then... I remember like my husband would take the baby and then I'd 
two weeks later find all these old used bottles like in different <laughs> bags or then bottles would get lost. And, yeah, so I I was reliving all of that when I was uh, preparing for this interview. <laughs> so, uh, and it's such, it's such a common story as well when I'm talking to other parents about this, the, yeah, the idea of losing the bottle that, that randomly rolls under the car seat somewhere or you lose it at a friend's house and, you know, if you only had one bottle, you'd never wind up losing it because you knew that was the only one you had in hand. It was the first one you put down and the last one you sort of walk out the door with. Uh, so the fact that you solve that problem uh, and never leave one behind is always a great thing. And you don't have that drawer full of, I was the same as you. I had a cupboard full yeah. of all of these bottles and the countertop, it was the sterilizer, it yeah. was the bottles, it was the drying rack. It was just all the stuff that went with it, you know? Yeah. And just making sure that like that pre-prepping time as well, making sure mm. like if you were going somewhere, did you have enough, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, mm. I remember that well. Mm, absolutely. Um, so talk to me about the technology then and kind of that mm. process. So you've decided, you decided this is a problem I want to try and solve. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what I did was I actually went and researched in multiple fields. So I started looking at, you know, how, what are the ways that we're currently sterilizing using um, steam, using chemicals, using uh, liquids, and then also using light. And I actually came across how UV light was being used in the dental field and in the medical field to sterilize surgical equipment. Um, the way they were doing it back, you know, for the last, I, I'm not entirely sure the entire amount. I think, you know, 30, 40 years have been using UV light to sterilize. And it's typically been done by a, it's like a light globe, but the light globe actually contains mercury. So there would be obvious concerns about whether or not, you know, parents either exhausted and accidentally bumps it, what happens then, or if a baby throws the bottle and that, that actual globe breaks, you know, how safe is it? Right. But we were lucky that, when we started researching this, um, LEDs, you know, light-emitting light diodes, the tiny little chips had just started to come out with the specific light spectrum. So it meant that instead of using a UV bulb that was, you know, potentially toxic, you now had this tiny little microchip which had no emissions other than the light wave itself. So it meant if it broke, there was no toxicity associated with the breaking and possibly making somebody sick. So we were just lucky that that had gotten small enough at the time we started researching this and we could actually integrate that then into a baby bottle, which was fantastic. And so, and then, so that step from finding this LED to then the bottle, Mm. tell me about that. Mm. We, I guess prior to me doing the, the entrepreneurship studies, I'd actually also gone and done, um, studied 3d animation at university. So my background then was actually combining the designs we had for the UV light into an actual bottle concept. So I basically was the person initially who was sketching and designing that product, looking at the battery requirements, looking at the componentry required to actually sit within that bottle as well. So I came up with the initial designs to integrate that into the bottle and also the technical specs of looking at uh, what silicon materials were out there. Could the light penetrate through silicon? Um, you know, the length of light distance from the actual light itself to then getting through the teeth and into the water as well. So there's some sort of technical calculations required behind it. And I guess that's when it came into, finally, we brought on a development team. So, you know, an actual design studio. Yeah. We then took our concepts and our initial designs and then worked through the more technical concepts of that to actually produce Pronto bottle, which is is what we see now today, which is on our website. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I mean, that's 
that's a lot of deep research, a lot of deep technical mm. like product. Yeah. yeah. Did you kind of <laughs> did you realize getting into it, like how you know that would go? No. No. <laughs> I had no idea. I had I had no history of understanding of the technical requirements of sterilization, let alone UV light specifically, um, and the understanding of a very, you know, small spectrum of that, the understanding of how long that light needs to be going for before it sterilizes to a certain amount. So, you know how you see on products now where they say uh, it sterilizes to 99.9%. There's actually a specific, they call it a log, log, I can't even say, a log reduction in the amount of microbes and bacteria within that water that it's sterilizing or the actual product itself. So there were all these things we had to go from never understanding to now completely understanding. So when I'm talking to people, I'm talking to design places or uh, talking to manufacturers of UV chips as well, when they're telling me things, I can actually say, actually, no, it's meant to be in this wavelength. This is what we're looking for. These are the types of chips. Um, and specifically like power outputs and, uh, affects the light efficiency as well. So yeah. it was a lot of study. It was a lot of research. It's a yeah. very dry very dry research. <laughs> oh, don't worry. My, I mean, my background's technology and IT, and my dad's an aircraft engineer. So, look. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah, we could we could probably talk for a bit. <laughs> but I know I'm not I'm not across any of this. But my dad is across from an aircraft perspective, all oh, that kind wonderful. of stuff. I'd say, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, and so. I think it like how how then you know how does it go from so you're creating a product to then you know creating a business and to then mm. kind of did you have points in this where you're like oh my god I'm not sure what I've got myself into how you know sort of how did you keep yourself going as well I suppose <laughs> I think everybody has those points when they start you know a startup or a company you think oh my gosh you know what have I got myself into and I think it, it's interesting because the way I started with this was it was very much just about solving this problem. You know, I just sort of thought, this is what I'm experiencing. How do I solve this for other parents? And I think when I started to think about the company components, so you're not just building a product now, you've got to build a company, you've got to build a brand, you've got to build the people around you, the team, all of the components that go with it. It can get quite daunting at times, you know, and it's sort of, um, I do remember a number of times with that that feeling of overwhelm sort of washed over me and thinking, what are just you know, how am I going to get through this? There's just so much to do. And at the time I'd started out working on this with my partner, so my, my husband. Yeah. And I sort of moved from working with him on a part-time to then me working on it just myself and moving to that role, purely solo founder. Um, I knew that I needed to create a framework of support around me to be able to support me as the founder, but also support the knowledge that I needed to build the company and that's when I started looking at things like acceleration programs, um, pitch events that could get me into spaces like One Roof, which, you know, how yeah. yourself and I met through that program as well. So those were some of the key things that I actually started to do. And the first one that I was accepted into was an acceleration program called Founder Institute. They're actually based out of the US originally, but yeah. they've got a couple of offices throughout Australia. And the Sydney chapter is the one I actually wound up being accepted into. But when I did, I was only, or sorry, my daughter, she was only a year old at that stage. And I would have had to have moved for three months full-time in Sydney. And it was um, an intensive. So it was just three months purely working in this uh, in this acceleration program. 
And at the time I said to my partner, you know, I know this can be really valuable for me, but I'm not sure if um, being away from my daughter will either be distracting or whether it would be a really good point of focus for me. So in the end, I decided that along with the costs associated, I wouldn't do it. But I was lucky enough because I got accepted into the program, I actually received sort of like the crib sheet for how to start a company. Right. And the crib sheet was very dot point. It's this is what you do. This is how you register a company. This is um, what you need to do for legal paperwork and just A to Z basically. Yeah. And I just started working through that. And at the same time, I'd actually want to attending a pitch event. Uh, it was like Silicon Block a couple of years ago. And I won a year's worth of paid a co-working space at One Roof. And then, so I attended One Roof, met an amazing group of people, met Sheree herself. And the network that I got from that sort of provided me with this personal and business framework whilst mm-hmm. I was working through this to-do list really um, from the Founder Institute. And then the next thing I did was I actually applied for MedTech, the MedTech, ex- uh, MedTech Actuator Program. Yeah. And again, going through that process was very specific to med-based products, hardware products, uh, requirements around certifications, um, legalities of all of this stuff, building IP, protecting your IP. So it sort of took what I found at Founder Institute to a whole new level of understanding, if that makes sense. So those things were key for me actually being able to build the company, not just the product. So it's a bit long-winded. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, that, that's a terrific answer because it, mm. it's different things along different stages mm. of the journey, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, are, definitely. you're building a, a product um, and it's mm. all the things to do with the product and, like you said, a brand, mm. a business and a yes. team and all of that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. And it is, and it's just so much to think about at once and it can get very daunting. I think it's it's good if you can somehow find a framework or someone to support you where they can break it down with you and you can see sort of a step-by-step guide to go through that process, which that's probably maybe the way I learn as well. I'm very much a um, visual learner and I like to see something visually in a checkbox. That's my project management background as well, though, you know. I like a sort of system that I can follow. I'm like, okay, cool, I've ticked that off. What's the next thing I need to do? What's the next thing? So uh, it worked very well for my brain. I mean, that sort of sounds practical and pragmatic, Mm. And I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit like that. I, I'm a bit of a to-do list lover, you know, I'm a bit of a lover, so I, I can relate wholeheartedly. And, and so you're you're about four years in now, is that right? Mm, yeah, four years into it. I started out, you know, very casual on this because I obviously I had my daughter at the time. It was very part-time. I was just researching as I had the time to do it. Yeah. And then really started in earnest working on this from, was it 2019? The beginning of 2019, actually, is probably when I, I got into the co-working space at, at One Roof. I mm-hmm. won the pitch events and then I got into the MedTech Actuator, which was uh, mid-2019. Yeah, mid yeah, right. Yeah. And so in terms of, so it's been four years and you said it was a little mm-hmm. bit slow at, this, at the start. Mm-hmm. What yeah. then, what kind of gave you, I suppose, the motivation or the recognition or the mm-hmm you know, the, the sort of checkboxes to say, yeah, keep going, this is valid, this is this is a good idea, you know, this is why I should keep going with this idea? It's an interesting question. I think that at that stage it was, to, to start off with, it was less motivated by any feedback from anyone else because at that stage I was working on it from home by myself, just doing purely research. Yeah. And for me at that stage, this probably delves a little bit more into the personal side of myself and becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. And I really struggled being a new mum. I, you know, I wound up with postpartum depression and didn't really know what to do with myself and felt like 
all of the tick boxes that I'd experienced being um, in a workplace where you get a paycheck, you get somebody validating your work saying that's a great job, or you're getting, you know, to-do list of things that are, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you're actually seeing a completion of something. You know, being a parent or becoming a new parent, it was totally different. That did not occur. So I think my motivation to start off with was just it gave me a sense of accomplishment, a sense of I'm doing something, I'm moving forward, I'm, I'm feeling more worth than simply being a parent. And I, for some reason that's just I never felt worth in that, but I have yeah, always no, done in my yeah. work. Yeah, and I know. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I think, you know, being a parent, mm. it's quite a thankless job and it can be quite lonely and, you know, you mm. want to, you want the best for your child and you want to put them in a routine and, you know, feed them yeah. at the right times and sleep and all the rest yeah. of it. And it's that kind of, and I think if you are someone who's worked and you are some, someone who's had a career and you've been busy, sort of being at home can be quite a mm. transition and that sort of, yeah. I suppose, that extra sense of purpose then really kind mm. of compelled you to kind of yeah because also yeah like I remember I had you know babies that ate and slept and um you know I my house was look just looking too incredibly tidy some days because I just couldn't (laughs) didn't have anything else to do do you know what I mean so totally yeah Yeah, so I guess yeah that's so to start off with that's probably what motivated me the most was that but then getting into it when I started um interviewing and surveying other parents and then coming back with concept ideas because I actually, I've done user testing basically every single step that I've, I've taken with the product. Yeah. When I started doing that process and I showed them the initial concepts and designs and got people actually testing with um, rudimentary prototypes that they weren't, they didn't function, but we sort of pretended it functioned, you know, yeah. and seeing the response from parents when they thought that the product was functioning I could see, I could see what we had. I could see what we were solving, and I could see the sense of freedom that we were actually giving to parents by being able to do this process and to follow on with the product. And I think then from that point, it was the validation of when we won pitch events, when we got people on board, when we got investors involved. So from that point, then it just sort of evolved and rolled as we had um, bigger targets to actually reach bigger milestones to reach. And we're reaching those, you know, that, mm. that sort of motivated me further. Yeah. I mean, I think mm. that's exciting kind of putting, you know, product concepts in the hands of people and then thinking mm. it's a real product that works. Yeah. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to ensure that you're, you're reminding yourself that you're building the product for your customer, not for yourself. And I think that's where uh, some people come unstuck. They think, oh, I've got a problem. It's, you know, my, maybe everybody experiences it. But if I'd built the product as I had first invented it, it would be very, very different. Still be a baby bottle, but in a solving a very different pain point, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think that's good. And so let's talk about investment. So I know that you recently mm. did crowdfunding. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk me through that process. Certainly. I'd actually, I've done two lots of crowdfunding. So the most recent one was successful, (laughs) which I'm very relieved to say. Uh, That one was, we did that through virtual and it's crowdsource funding. So Uh this one meant that we were basically giving a portion of equity away for a portion of funds. Uh And the one that we'd completed prior to that one, which wasn't successful in raising the funding, um, was a Indiegogo campaign, which was, you know, you get a product for a payment, if that oh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so why do you think the first one wasn't successful then? There's a number of reasons it wasn't successful. The three main ones that we found was 
the biggest one obviously was when parents decide to go down the bottle feeding route. It typically is a very short decision to purchase cycle. It's usually, shit, I can't breastfeed or I need yeah. to do something else and I need that bottle now. So telling them, hey, we'll send it to you in six to nine months once we've done tooling manufacturing and ready ship. Through, wasn't they're really through that stage, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. And that, you kind of don't get yeah. that insight until you actually go through the process, do you? Yeah. No. And, and we'd seen, and I'd experienced as a parent where, you know, people were buying stuff three months ahead of time because their friends were pregnant and they were just about to have a baby. But again, that's three months lead time. It's not that nine month period. Mm-hmm. And then the next biggest thing is branding. We hadn't, we really hadn't realized how important branding was to parents for them to be able to pick up a product and to trust that it was going to work and to trust that it was safe for their baby. Yeah. And now we were, we were introducing the Australian market to a very new concept at that time. No one had heard of UVC light being used to sterilize Asia. They use it, but Australian customers hadn't heard of it in this space before, you know, fast forward two years now, COVID's done a lot for bringing awareness to what UVC light does. I mean, a lot of people now have the little UV uh, sterilizing wands now. They've seen the sterilization uh, products being used for the cabinets and that now as well, mm-hmm. which are basically, it's kind of like a sterilizing cabinet or a little miniature fridge that you put multiple bottles into. And right. it does the same thing. It uses okay. UV light too. Yep. So that was the second thing was that that brand component and the technology of people just not being aware of the technology. So uh, those okay. three things meant we didn't raise, yeah. Yeah, it's that real education mm. piece, isn't it? Mm. Very much so. And we realised then that we had to change how we cost-structured advertising as well. So when we were marketing, we thought it would be quite cheap to market within Australia because people would be aware of us. But then we realised we would not only have to spend more money in marketing to build awareness, but also we'd have to leverage retailers and their brand so that we could give ourselves some sort of brand whilst we were building our own up, if that makes sense. So we learned a lot. I, I sort of, I don't like to say it's a failure. We didn't raise the funds, but we learned so much that we wouldn't have if we hadn't have done that process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that mm. entirely. Like, you know, it's mm. just, it's that next stage, isn't it really? Yeah, 100%. And it was quite useful then going into the virtual campaign because we knew the key things that we needed to be talking about to investors. And the investors typically were a small portion of, you know, parents, mums and dads as investors, mm-hmm. but also investors who were um, looking for an investment or were really values aligned with the fact that we wanted to be eco-friendly, reducing plastics going into the environment. So we knew that we had to hit key uh, key points when we're actually talking about the product itself too. And then talk to me then about what has that funding allowed you to do? Mm. It's allowed us to now go through, we're currently improving on our previous design. So we're doing another round of prototyping. We'll then put that into labs for testing. So it'll be uh, tested there, approved, and then we'll, again, test it with parents, key opinion leaders, so lactation consultants, doctors, nurses, um, and then also then what's the next thing that we'll be doing after that point? Uh, Design patents. So the next stage is our design patents. And then possibly looking at whether we do licensing deals with larger companies as well. So we may be able to do uh, some interim legal paperwork signing for that. And yep. that's, that's kind of it. So we kind of hit those key traction points. And also we, we signed on now, we've also signed on a distributor. So that's the next stage we need to get to, to be able to show investors for that next point of now we need to go into tooling and manufacturing. And that's the next raise, which we're currently doing now. Right. Um, 
Um, so are you wanting to do direct to consumer or direct like or you know direct to consumer direct to retailer do you know what I mean like which mm, yes yeah way? it's actually com- it's a combination of so we're doing it direct to retailers so we're talking yep. you know large chain retailers boutique baby stores and pharmacies as well as direct to consumer which we're doing through our online channel so it's our own website looking at Amazon and then extending out further once we're actually expanding into other regions, things like AliExpress and other platforms as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. <laughs> You're looking like <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, don't think about it too much. And it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> what time frame are you looking then to, you know, get, get a product in, you know, on the shelves, so to speak, mm. Where, where's that on the horizon? Yeah beginning of next year so the first quarter of next year is when ideally we'll actually be sending out product to retailers to put on shelves and also doing pre-sales for customers so we ideally want to open a pre-sales about three months ahead of when we're ready to ship for customers as well yeah online yeah Yeah. and it's um I think this gives people a really good idea of the time frame in Mm. terms of you know for like this is a this is a technical product that you that you're putting in you know the four babies and um you know so all those things that need to go into that yeah it's pretty it's a lot you know, yeah, yeah you've got to be really thorough I would yes 100 percent, yeah. absolutely and I guess that there's, there's so many things that you try and factor in a bit of you know slack time as well for things like you know we're doing tooling which is uh, something that has to be done overseas, then hopefully bringing the tooling here. And yep. there's still another process where that tooling has to go through kind of like a refinishing process. So it's got to be cleaned and tidied up. You run a, a, a run of product through it to make sure it's working. There's definitely going to be defects. So then you have to go and edit that tool again. So there's a, a number of stages required. And if one of those stages go pear-shaped, you've then got another month or two to that development timeline. So yeah. it's a lot, it's a bit more difficult than just having a, a SaaS product where you, you're doing programming and stuff for it. There's there's a lot of logistics involved in this. Yeah, yeah. there's all the the packaging, the, you know, the outside mm. of the packaging, what goes in the packaging, the pamphlet yeah. that goes with the packaging, all the details of, yeah, all yes. of that. Yeah. And so in yeah, terms of, of manufacturing, where are you looking to manufacture? Hoping to manufacture it in Australia, though yeah. we've got a lot of people sort of pushing us to take it overseas in terms of cost effectiveness. Obviously, everyone says, mm. you know, tooling, tooling and manufacturing overseas is so much cheaper. Um, and to be honest, Australian customers don't, from research, we've done surveys as well. <laughs> Everything comes from surveys. Yeah. Um, and customers in Australia don't really care about whether a product is made in Australia. What they care about is whether or not that product has a good brand to it. Um, and whether there's trust behind it. So customer reviews and that sort of stuff when they're actually looking at purchasing that product. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. What would you, what do you wish you knew before you started? <laughs> I feel like that's a loaded question. I know. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I think I wish I'd known to get a network around me sooner. I think I did it pretty quickly compared to some people, but I yeah. wish I'd done that sooner. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. I mean, that's a, that's um, a good answer. And mm-hmm. I'd like a lot of women mm-hmm. that I talk to. And so I do, you know, career coaching and stuff as well. And a lot of people, I, a lot of women I know don't work on their network and who they, mm-hmm. who they know. And I look, I'd be, I'd be in the same boat as well, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sort of a catch 22 with that one because you don't, so I'll talk from my perspective. 
I didn't feel worthy to have a network of business-minded, like-minded women around me because I didn't see myself on the same level. I saw myself as this um, unemployed mum working on an idea and I didn't feel like I had value to give back to a network if I was a part of that network. So I don't think I pushed for it or got involved in it as much as I did until I felt like I had value to give back. And I think that that was a really poor failing on my behalf. And I'm sure there's probably some other women out there maybe thinking the same thing. Oh, and I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd want to sort of definitely say, don't think that way, you know, mm. get into it sooner. Um, if anything, I've found that being a part of the network, people are just so supportive. They really want to see you get to where you want to go and don't feel like, hey, just because we're talking about two different things that you're not on the same level as me. I mean, that's all my own mindset, not somebody else's. Yeah, I think that's a terrific insight. I think that's, I think, yeah, the, you know, sometimes we do hold ourselves back because we feel like we haven't, because oh, sometimes you don't want to ask for help maybe and you also, like you said, you're not, you don't feel like you're on the same level. I think that's a really valid insight yeah. and I think that's probably something yeah something that a lot of women suffer from for sure. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Super, super exciting. Um, mm. I just, I love the journey that you've taken so far and I just know <laughs> as I'm sure that you can think that the journey hasn't even started. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm not even halfway. <laughs> it's incredible. Congratulations, mm. Shannon, on what you've achieved so far. I'm just super excited to see where this goes and, um, Thank you. Yeah, just well done on um, on getting this far. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, Ross. I think we'll see if I can survive the next two years that I've made it. Apparently, you know, they all, all most startups fail or 50% of them do in that, that first four years. So I've got two more years. Give me two more years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I've loved having you. It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Sam. No problem. Lady Leadership Career Lab is going to be kicking off towards the end of April. You can register now for the course. Now, this course is a four-week online course where I take you through how to build a career that rec people helps people recognize you, hire you, and follow you. And it's all about really understanding your blockers, what's holding you back, moving past these, gaining confidence to show up and network, present, and communicate, and also creating a career plan to really, you know, an action plan plan that's going to take you forward in your career. Now, this is the method that I've used to grow and build my career from starting on the help desk to being in the C-suite and being in CIO. And just to let you know, you know, week by week, so the first part of the course is going to be about understanding you, what your mission, your vision, your purpose priorities are, how you tell and sell your career story to let people know what you want. And then week two is all about skills development, how to rate and rank yourself and understand the skills that you've got today versus the skills that you need for the next opportunity in your career, how to have career conversations and when to have them. And then week three is all about your mindset and showing 
growing up and networking and, um, you know, really kind of taking action, presenting how to, you know, how to find a tribe and how to have business friends around you, etc. And then week four is really about the goal setting and the action plans to pull that to all together. And I share with you how I manage my day, my week, my month, my quarter um, as an executive and, you know, really kind of learning how to have, how to have hard conversations and, um, you know, just really kind of stepping into your career like you never have before. So really excited that's going to be kicking off. Check out my website, www.lady-leadership.com where you can pre-register for the course there. What I'm offering is I'm offering for the first 20 people that register, I'm going to actually be offering you a 30-minute one-on-one face-to-face career coaching session where we can really dig into uh, where you're at in more detail. So check it out, have a look, register. Going to be, as I said, going to be kicking off. The the doors are going to officially open at the end of April and then going to be kicking off in May. Absolutely love to see you there. And I just know 100% that this is going to help you in your career. Cheers.